Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome into a new edition of the Believe in Tobacco Road podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stone. College football season uh, is officially here. All four Tobacco Road teams in uh, in action this week. All of them either playing uh, on Thursday or Friday this week. Uh, joining me to break down the uh, early portion of the season, the first uh, week of games, and also uh, maybe take a look ahead uh, as well, uh, David Glenn of ACCSports.com and the, uh, the Athletic. So, uh, David, I guess what your your early impressions, I guess at least on the, these the first four games that we're going to see for the uh, for the Tobacco Road teams uh, in terms of you know this first week. Yeah, well, starting out, Ryan, it's good to be with you again. I think on Tobacco Road, at least, it starts with having one eye on the Clemson Tigers facing the Georgia Bulldogs in what might be one of the best regular season matchups of the entire college football season with both of those uh, in the preseason top five. But in terms of tobacco road teams in action themselves, I think it starts with the Tar Heels. Uh, The last time Carolina in the sport of football finished a season in the national top 10 of the major polls was Mac Brown's last season at Carolina. The first time he was there back in 1997. So it's one thing to be ranked in the preseason top 10 as Carolina takes that ranking to Blacksburg uh, against Virginia Tech. But obviously, everybody wants to be highly ranked and relevant and a contender at the end of the season, not at the beginning of the season. So uh, you can't get where you want to go if you're Mac Brown's modern-day Tar Heels unless you get off on the right foot in Blacksburg And that's not easy. Carolina has lost a lot more than it has won at Virginia Tech. And remember, last year's Tar Heels, they only played four games outside the state of North Carolina, and they lost three of those four. So it's a big challenge. It's a spotlight game on Tobacco Road. And Sam Howell and that Tar Heel offense needs to be ready to put up some big points because – the Hokies have managed to put up some big points on the Tar Heels in their recent meetings. Yeah, certainly, uh, certainly the case, and uh, that was yeah the first game I was going to go to. I, I guess, what do you expect out of Virginia Tech this year? Because it's kind of hard to know. They, they've had a tumultuous last couple off seasons uh, with a lot of pressure on uh, on Justin Fuente. So, I, I guess, what are your expectations out of Virginia Tech going into this game? Well, I think they have a chance to be a contender in the ACC, but I think they have a chance to be just a mediocre football team. And one thing we know is they have really good wide receivers at Virginia Tech. They have a really good tight end in James Mitchell. But you and I both know the conversation starts with quarterbacks. And Clemson has DJ Uyunglele, and Carolina has Sam Howell, and Miami has De'Eric King. And those are three of the six guys in Las Vegas on the early Heisman candidate boards. Now, it doesn't guarantee they're going to be great, but it's nice to have a quarterback of that sort on your side. At Virginia Tech, even though their head coach, Justin Fuente, 
has been considered a quarterback's guru going all the way back when he he was Andy Dalton's quarterback's coach way back in college back in the day. And, of course, he has other similar stories on his resume, Justin Fuente. But when I look at Virginia Tech, I'm not sure Braxton Burmeister is an above-average quarterback in the ACC. He's lightning quick with his feet, but he has not been a polished passer and generally speaking, if you want to be great as a quarterback, even in modern-day college football, I mean, you better be able to mix the, the pass with the run. So can he be good enough for the Hokies to be great? I think that remains a lingering question. And along those same lines, remember, Carolina believes that its defense is a lot better than it has been in recent years. And whereas you know Sam Howell and that offensive line and other weapons are back on offense, and they have some new running backs and wide receivers that they're excited about. Carolina believes that for the really the, one of the few times in the last decade or so, its defense could be a strong point. If that's the case against Braxton Burmeister, we're going to learn really quickly whether he's the real deal or not, or whether Justin Fuente has another tricky season at the most important position on the field. Yeah, it's certainly, uh, certainly the case. Like you said, Braxton Burmeister has uh, been anything but... Uh but great so far, and it'll be interesting. It'll be real interesting to see what Hendon Hooker does uh, potentially at uh, at Tennessee uh, this season if he gets he gets a chance after uh, he transferred yeah. to uh, to Tennessee. Um, I guess yeah. How much pressure is on Sam Howell uh, here early in the season? Because you know, like you, like you said, Heisman contender. Um, he he lost his you know top two running backs that were great last season. He lost one of his top receivers, uh, and he—I mean, he's—you know—the the bullseye is pretty much on him to, to be the leader for this uh, for this Carolina team. So, uh, how much pressure do you think is on him at least early in this season? I think there's a lot in terms of uh, him compared to other ACC players, of course, because Carolina has not been this nationally prominent very often over the last twenty plus years. And he's the trigger man. And his 68 total touchdown passes over his first two seasons with the Tar Heels, that is the most through a sophomore campaign in the history of the Atlantic Coast Conference. So that's a pretty big statement to make. Of course, everybody expects that this season, his junior season, will be his last. So you have team expectations. You have the Heisman candidate personal expectations. You have, in all likelihood, this one-year window for Sam Howell slash Mac Brown to get the Tar Heels beyond the nice seasons, seven and six two years ago, eight and four last year. That's not nice enough. That's not what Mac Brown came back from the broadcast booth to try to do. And he and Sam Howell have both been circling 2021 as the time where maybe they'll not only have enough top end talent, which they did have the last two years, but just also enough depth and enough offense, defense, special teams balance that they didn't always have these last two years. They believe those planets have aligned. And in that sense, Sam Howell, I mean, he's human. He has to feel some pressure. I will add, though, as you've seen, Ryan, that guy is about as even keeled as it gets. He yeah. does not look like somebody who is very vulnerable to outside pressure. It's all about how you internally process pressure and that guy is a cool cucumber on the field in his preparation and otherwise. And that's why I don't think those outside distractions are going to be anything or that pressure 
to hold Sam Howell back. Yeah, it'll certainly be uh, be interesting. There's uh, there's no question about that. Uh, NC State kicks off the season Thursday night against uh, South Florida. The Wolfpack are uh, a three score favorite in that one. I think uh, 18 was the last time I saw the uh, saw the spread. How how uh, how good do you think this NC State team can be? I mean, I know they bring a ton back on defense. Devin Leary's back. Top two running backs are back. Uh, you know your top receiver, top offensive line. I mean, it, everything on paper says they should be really good. But you look at the schedule, uh, at least in conference and even out of conference, and, and they have a tough schedule on their hands. Agree. The, the ceiling for this year's Wolfpack, in my opinion, is the best season of Dave Doran's nine years in Raleigh. And what I mean by that. Some Wolfpack fans are frustrated. I mean, after eight years, when your Atlantic Coast Conference record is 28 wins and 38 losses, some people are the proverbial wolves howling for your job, right? Uh, But he signed a contract extension, remember, through 2025. At this moment, as we have this conversation, the peak of the Dave Doran era was four years ago. They went nine and four. They finished in the national top 25. And that's the best season they've had in in quite a while. I think this year's group has a chance to be that good and finish in the top 25 and maybe win nine games again. There are 18 starters back. Devin Leary is back from his injury at the quarterback position. So if he can be as good as he was during that that 3-0 start before he got hurt last year, uh, it's important to note that this is the first year. It's Devin Leary's fourth season with the Wolfpack. This is the first time he's actually returning with the same coach, a guy named Tim Beck, who's both the offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach. All quarterbacks will tell you the value of continuity, and Devin Leary has it for the first time with Tim Beck as his kind of right-hand man. So offensively, the Wolfpack should be good again, and defensively, you know, they have that linebacker core where it's not just Aiton Wilson, it's not just Isaiah Moore. Drake Thomas, Levi Jones, they have some guys on the defensive front, three three or four, depending on how they line up, who are also pretty good. I really think the ceiling for the Wolfpack is that top 25 type finish. As you mentioned, to get that done, you got to stay healthy. You got to win your close games, uh, especially when you have a tough schedule like the one you described. How, how important, you know, obviously I think, you know, most people expect them to beat South Florida kind of handily, being an 18-point yeah. favorite. How important, though, is the Week 2 matchup with Mississippi State for them this season? It's a big deal because, you know, teams can be vulnerable in how they view themselves. And confidence is typically a snowball. It can make you feel better than you actually are when it's going in the right direction. And if you struggle a little bit, but you have leadership and you believe in your coach and you believe in each other and you have a plan, that confidence factor is going to serve you well, even through adversity. And it's just the human element again. If you lose to Mississippi State, you're going to look at yourself one way. If you beat Mississippi State, assumedly you're going to be 2-0 and and feeling good about what we just described as the possibility of a very special season. I think the Wolfpack is going to be the underdog in that game when it gets here against the Bulldogs. So we'll see if the Pack can spring, I guess, what some would call an upset. But, yeah, that's a pivotal game in the early going because everybody expects the Pack to win in week one. 
Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think for a confidence standpoint, like you mentioned, I think week two is going to be uh, be really important for uh, for them. Uh, worth noting, uh, Vegas has their win total number set at six and a half. So uh, we'll see what uh, what they're able to uh, to do with uh, with that number. Uh, also on uh, on Friday night, uh, Wake Forest takes on ODU. Duke takes on Charlotte. Wake's obviously a huge uh, favorite in their uh, in their matchup. Uh, what do you expect from uh, from this Wake Forest team this year? I like the Deeks. Uh, again, they have a, a quarterback that they know and a quarterback that they trust. Sam Hartman, heck, was a starter way back in 2018 when he was a true freshman. And then he kind of rotated with Jamie Newman before Newman transferred to Georgia. So Sam Hartman is back. He's a reliable player and a winner in the mold that Dave Clawson likes to see. This is a Wake program that's been to five straight bowl games. This is year eight for Dave Clawson. I think they're going to make it six straight bowl games. Coach Clawson has said he believes it will be his deepest team in Winston-Salem in those eight years. All 11 starters are back on offense. I think it's nine are back on defense. And Wake is a team that, or a program that, you know, dating back to the Jim Grobe era and before that, they tend to be at their best when they're playing those fifth-year seniors and fourth-year juniors at a lot of positions. And and that's what they have going on right now. Um, And I think their schedule allows for them uh, to be not only a sixth straight bowl team, but they've never, this sounds strange because everybody has so much respect for Dave Clawson, the Deeks have never been better than 500 in ACC play under Dave Clawson. And uh, this is the year they believe they can break that string. Of course, in their division, that is always easier said than done. Yeah, that's certainly uh, certainly the case. And, and this is obviously getting way ahead, but Wake's, Wake's uh, non-conference is really kind of a cakewalk. Uh, but how, how important is the NC State-Wake game going to be? Because that for, for both... For both coaches, especially um, you know Dorn, it seems like he has a really hard time beating Wake Forest uh, when they have uh, a decent squad. So, so looking way ahead, how important is uh, is that game going to be? For so it's going to be games? fun to see, you know, and maybe we'll talk between now and then. It's going to be fun to see what kind of records that those two teams take into that game. Because if they stumble out of the gate, the only people who care about Wolfpack versus Demon Deacons are going to be people, you know, like those who listen to your podcast or read my magazine, uh, meaning, you know, those locally here in the Carolinas. There's a chance, because if you look at Wake's schedule, there is really nobody to be afraid of prior to November 6th when they visit UNC. And the Wolfpack game would be the week after that for the Demon Deacons. I mean, it's... The ACC opponents are Florida State and Virginia and Louisville and Syracuse and Duke. Yeah. There's not a scary opponent in that bunch. And as you mentioned earlier, they're going to be favorites, the Deeks are, in their non-conference games. So how pretty could that Wake record look like by the time the NC State game rolls around on November 13th? I mean, they could be 8-1 and one at that stage, something along those lines. Now, again, that's easier said than done. And same for the Wolfpack getting there with a pretty polished record. But I think that would make for one heck of a matchup in our backyard, even back-to-back matchups with Wake at Carolina yeah. on the 6th and Wake hosting State on November 13th. Yeah, and Wake, uh, Wake, that, was, that Wake-Carolina matchup last year was uh, was something to behold. You either, 
it was either an offensive classic or a defensive <laughs> or a defensive lapse. I don't know what you, what you want to call it, but uh, it was certainly a, a fun game. There was uh, there's no question about that. Uh, we're talking all this all this optimism about the other the three the three teams we've already talked about on Tobacco yeah. Road, but then there's Duke, uh, who's yeah. coming off one of the worst years uh, under Coach Cut. Um, is there is there reason for optimism for for the Blue Devils at all this season? I don't see it. I, I am a huge huge fan and believer and even friend of David Cutcliffe. The Devils, as you said, were not at all good last year. Two and nine. They weren't very good the year before that. And as strange as this sounds to say about somebody who remember mentored Peyton Manning at Tennessee and mentored Eli Manning while he was the head coach at Ole Miss, quarterback play has been a significant part of the problem for the Blue Devils in recent years. I mean, when they had a Thad Lewis or um, a Daniel Jones, now in the NFL, of course, the Devils became that fairly consistent bowl team. Remember, six bowls over a seven-year period under David Cutcliffe from 2012 to 2018. When they lost the depth chart, so to speak, at QB, they really struggled. And I'm not sure that Gunnar Holmberg, who's a guy who's been there for four years, and I know he's suffered through some injuries, uh, I don't know if Gunnar Holmberg, as a redshirt junior, is ready to be the answer. Maybe I'll be wrong, and that might change the persp- the, the outlook for the Dukes for the Blue Devils season this year. But the quarterback guru David Cutcliffe needs a lot more performance out of the most important position on the field. Chase Bryce, remember the Clemson transfer was not the answer a year ago. They had struggles with uh, Quentin Harris the year before that, a guy who had kind of waited his turn. And then as a senior, just really could, couldn't get the job done. Maybe Gunnar Holmberg or one of his backs up, backups changes that formula. Uh, unless that happens, though, I think the Blue Devils are headed for a third straight losing season. Yeah, it certainly, it certainly appears to be the case. How, uh, how, big, how big is the opener for them against Charlotte? Uh, you know, the game in Charlotte, uh, Duke's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. How, uh, how big is the, the opener uh, for Duke? Oh, yeah, yeah, you have to win it. Just, you just flat out must win it. There's no doubt about it uh, because that's one of the few games where the Blue Devils are going to be favored, I think. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen that line. I assume the Blue Devils are probably a touchdown favorite. Yeah, yeah six, like that. six and a half, I believe. Okay. Charlotte does have a dynamic young coach in Will Healy. Yeah. And I believe that that guy is going to make a name for himself in college football. Uh, to a degree, he already has. But he's a recruiter. He's an energy guy. Um, and I, I think the 49ers are looking at that game against Duke as, all right, we're a, we're a touchdown underdog. Nobody expects anything from us. But we just kind of get one free whack at the pinata. And Will Healy is known as a recruiter. He's only 36 years old. He did a really good job as the head coach at Austin P for a few years, which is what got him the Charlotte job. And last year was weird. I think the Niners played only six games in total. But he took them to a bowl, remember, in his first year, Will Healy at Charlotte in 2019. So that was, I believe, unprecedented in the history of the Charlotte program. So does he have something that looks more like that team from two years ago? I don't know, but but he'll have a chance to show that starting with the matchup against Duke. Yeah, certainly, uh, certainly the case. And uh, you know, 
you kind of mentioned it early, but I wanted to touch on it because of how important it is of a game it is for the ACC. But Clemson, Georgia, on uh, on Saturday night, which is also in uh, in Charlotte. Uh, what? Who who are you leaning to in uh, in that matchup? Because I, I feel like most of the public is leaning to Georgia this year. Uh, I feel like a lot of people think this is the year for uh, for Georgia, but I feel like every time this happens to Dabo Sweeney in this spot, he delivers. <laughs> I, I think you're right. I mean, Dabo. This sounds crazy because he's he's only about 50 years old, roughly, in that neighborhood. So it sounds strange to talk about a 50-year-old or 51-year-old in historic terms. But there's no doubt in my mind that Dabo Sweeney already is one of the two greatest football coaches in ACC history. And that's a conference that's almost 70 years old. Yeah. Bobby Bowden of Florida State, of course, the late Bobby Bowden, yeah. still belongs atop that list. But... Dabo Sweeney is a two-time national champion. He is a seven-time ACC champion. He wins the Atlantic Division virtually every year. He's the three-time national coach of the year. And as you said, questioning the Tigers, even outside of ACC play, is a dangerous thing to do. They didn't have much problem with Alabama when they needed to beat the Crimson Tide, and there aren't many people who beat the Crimson Tide. Uh, There there are the occasional regular season slip-ups, but... I think over the last six years, Clemson has averaged roughly one loss per year. Yeah. I mean, they have not finished outside of the national top four for six years running. So that none of that means that they can't lose to Georgia, of course. They have a lot of confidence in their new starting QB, DJ Ui Angalale. And in part because, remember, when Trevor Lawrence missed those games with uh, COVID yeah. issues last year, you know, DJ did get those starts against Boston College, against Notre Dame, and, uh, and played fairly well in those games. So Dabo Sweeney has a machine. It's a recruiting monster. Kirby Smart also has a machine at Georgia. But I think the Tigers' machine has been just a little bit better. Uh, but that is not only the, the, the game of week one. Uh, that might be one of the must-see TV games of the entire college football regular season because I do think both of them will end up being you know national top 10 teams no matter how that opener goes for either side. How important, you know, Georgia will have other opportunities uh, because they're in the SEC uh, and a close loss isn't ultimately going to gonna hurt Georgia that much uh, in terms of the grand scheme of things if they take care of business in the SEC. But the problem with the ACC a lot of times is Clemson doesn't have somebody else kind of help them. They kind of have to be perfect and go undefeated a lot of, a lot of years. And that might be different this year with North Carolina uh, and Miami uh, projected to be good. But but how important is, is, is the opener, I guess, more important for Clemson than it is for Georgia? Well, I think that's a good way to put it. Of course, it's hugely important for both sides. But I, I like the words you used there, Ryan, because here's the reality. Generally speaking, if you are one of the very top programs, you do get a proverbial mulligan when it comes to this four-team format for the college football playoffs. And what I mean by that is that there has been no shortage of one-loss teams invited to the college football playoff as long as you're a member of a power conference. You, of course, win your conference championship game, which Clemson will be favored to do. This would be seven in a row for the Tigers. Uh, And you don't stub your toe anywhere else. 
Uh, now, it would entirely remove the margin for error for Clemson if they lose to Georgia, and it would put some doubt in some people's minds because of the schedule factor. Um, who in the ACC is going to have a good enough season that a win by Clemson over that team will be a resume builder? And remember, South Carolina is on the schedule as a non-conference team. The Gamecocks are not expected to be great this year. And the South Carolina State is uh, a non-conference matchup for the Clemson Tigers. So if you don't get Georgia, beating UConn or South Carolina State or the Gamecocks is going to help you. And I'm not sure, it's hard to know, you know, at this point in the calendar, who is going to be a really good ACC team. Might it be NC State from uh, the Clemson Tigers schedule? Might it be Boston College, which I think has a chance to be really good? Clemson has to go to Pitt. Maybe the Panthers are good this year. But uh, whoever you think are the second and third most difficult opponents for Clemson this year in the regular season, uh, whoever those answers are, they're nowhere close to the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, and and that at least that leaves what you and I both know would be a three month long conversation about how if Clemson loses to Georgia, that maybe they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt this year, even if they beat everybody else. But that's that's the conversation for another day. I hope we're not stuck with three months of that, you know, between now and when those Ford playoff teams have to be picked. Yeah, you. I mean, you, you would think as long as they don't get embarrassed, uh, as long as they take care of the rest of their business, that, that the loss could honestly be, like, the best thing on their resume uh, in terms, like, what you're talking about with, with the ACC, just depending on what Miami and Carolina do. But, you know, if they get beat by a field goal late by Georgia um, – yeah, that could that that could that could end up not hurting, and that that could also end up benefiting them too. I guess. I think you're right, and Clemson hopes it does not unfold the way you just described. Right? They don't <laughs> want a loss to Georgia, close loss to Georgia, to be the best thing on their resume, even though they know in the back of their mind that some, that's uh, some nationally would perceive it that way. Dabo Sweeney is always railing. I mean, it is one of his most consistent themes. That when an SEC team loses, they get the benefit of the doubt. But when an ACC team loses, they don't get the benefit of the doubt in the national conversation. So he, he might be fighting that team again all year, whether he wins or loses against Georgia. But I think the optimistic people in the ACC believe that even if it's hard to predict in August or September who the other good teams are going to be in the ACC, BC does have a chance. You know, Pitt does have a chance. Carolina is not on Clemson's regular season schedule, but the Tar Heels and Miami from the yeah. other division have a chance to be really good. And maybe someone will surprise us from beyond that group, the way we were discussing, you know, NC State or Wake Forest. So it's hard to know for sure how many other resume builders are waiting out there for Clemson, but the one we know would go a long way is the Georgia matchup. And seriously, if I can only pick five regular season games to watch, yeah, yeah. I think that would be one of the five. Yeah, I. I don't even. I mean, I don't even know if there's a number. I don't even know what number two is. That's that's number one. Like I, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I mean, I guess number two is probably something out of the SEC. Uh, but that that's number one, far and away to uh, to me, especially uh, early in the season. I guess Oregon, Ohio State is another one uh, that'll be interesting. But uh, yeah, I think uh, Georgia, Clemson, certainly shaping up to be the uh, at least the early season. Uh, game of the year. Again, we've been talking to uh, David Glenn from accsports.com and The Athletic. Uh, David, as always, uh, appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to join us on Believe in Tobacco Road.
Always fun, Ryan. Great to be with you. Keep up the good work. I appreciate it. And uh, that'll do it for this week's edition. Make sure you check back next week for another episode of Believe in Tobacco Road. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.